Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, June the 23rd, 2023. On this edition of The Politocrat, rich and poor and rage. The media coverage of five people and the non-coverage of hundreds of people who died at sea. I'll be talking about that, plus, exactly seven years ago today, voters in the United Kingdom, at least 17 million of them, thought it a good idea to weaken the country that they lived in. I'm talking about Brexit, seven years later. Plus, the United States Justice Department on news, news that you need to be aware of. They are doing a very good job. All of that coming up next. Dear listener, thank you very much indeed for joining me here on the Politocrat Daily Podcast for this Friday. It's always a pleasure to have you aboard. Thank you very much for being a part of all of this, because I can't do this without you, the listener. You've been sensational as always. Your loyalty is humbling and, I tell you, very flattering indeed. And I do not take you or it lightly. So thank you very much uh for joining me here on this edition or whenever you happen to be listening to this edition of the political Daily podcast it is friday june the 23rd 2023 and i do hope you are well in the general vicinity of feeling good and feeling healthy and i do hope that things are going your way and if they're not may they uh, start to go your way very very soon it's a very tough life out here in this world and you know, the idealized images that we get bombarded with each and every second of the day, I think only serve to make things worse because really those images are fantasy. They are fantasy and some of them are on social media. So be aware of that. I'm sure you are that, look, life is not meant to be an easy street. Now, some of us get our fair share of difficulties and some of us get too many of our fair shares, more than our fair share. And we are still here. We still thrive despite it all. We fight back. We prevail. We endure. We suffer. And we continue forward. And it is difficult sometimes to do that. But I do urge you to persevere and hang in there and keep going. When Even when you don't feel like going on. Well, there are people who can help you in this world. And you can always count on yours truly as a supporter of your efforts. So I have... Um, uh, my 100% um, commitment of wishing you all the very best in life. And you have my support. So keep fighting forward, dear listener. And thank you indeed for your time. It is Friday, as I've said. And yes, I did an episode yesterday. And I talked about Kevin McCarthy's fascism. And I also talked about the horror of what happened in off the Atlantic in the Atlantic Ocean, in that Titan submersible. Now, I, I did uh, express my condolences yesterday, dear listener, and now I remain the same way on that. But a lot of information I have become privy to in the last uh, day or so since I did that episode just yesterday, just yesterday, 
And um, <clears throat> pardon me and excuse me. A lot of information has been gleaned by yours truly that I did not have or was not privy to or not aware of at the time I did the episode. But maybe had I been aware of that information, dear listener, I might have sounded a bit different. And today I do sound different in a lot of ways. I, quite frankly, dear listener, have a little bit of a different take since yesterday on some of the things that I talked about yesterday on the Politocrat Daily Podcast. For one, the US Navy heard what it believed was the Titan submersible exploding, or should I say imploding, days ago. Not just on Wednesday or Tuesday, but days ago, days ago. The Wall Street Journal, with a news exclusive, U.S. Navy heard what it believed was Titan implosion days ago. Ah, well, well, well. Underwater microphones, its subtitle reads, designed to spot enemy submarines, first detected Titan tragedy. Now, dear listener, we were told of this implosion for the first time when? Yesterday. That's when we were told. I played you the audio. I know I did. The first time we were told was yesterday. By the uh, Rear Admiral for the United States Coast Guard, John Malger, who was conducting the press conference. That was yesterday, meaning a Thursday, June the 22nd, dear listener, 2023. Now, this Wall Street Journal article, which also came out on that same day, just uh, a few hours after the uh, press conference took place, is saying that the U.S. Navy, the U.S. Navy, heard the implosion Days ago, I'm going to read you a portion of this article. I might actually read you the whole thing. The Wall Street Journal is owned by, yes, indeed, you know who this is. Owned by the, well, Fox News Cretan of Cretans, Rupert Murdoch. Just full disclosure on that. Here's what this article says. I might just read it in full to you. A top-secret military acoustic detection system designed to spot enemy submarines first heard what the U.S. Navy suspected was the Titan submersible implosion hours after the submersible began its voyage, officials involved in the search said. The Navy began listening for the Titan almost as soon as the sub lost communications, according to a U.S. defense official. Shortly after the submersible's disappearance Sunday, the U.S. system detected what it suspected was the sound of an implosion near the debris site discovered Thursday and 
reported its findings to the Coast Guard commander on site, U.S. defense officials said. I'm actually going to stop there for a moment. About two and a half minutes ago, or thereabouts, I said to you, dear listener, that yesterday, Thursday, June the 22nd, 2023, there was a press conference held by whom? That's right, the United States Coast Guard, Rear Admiral John Mauger, in which he said that there was an implosion. Now, he didn't specify when. He said there was one. And he mentioned that the debris was discovered yesterday, meaning Thursday. Now, this article, I just read you the first two paragraphs of. Said that the implosion, at least the sound of one, suspected to be the submersible, was reported to the Coast Guard commander on Sunday. That would have been what? Five days ago now. Yesterday, four days ago. So someone at the United States Coast Guard, and certainly the Coast Guard commander on site, and I know it wasn't just limited to that one person. People inside the United States Coast Guard had known that there was a sound of an implosion, or at least a suspected implosion, detected four days ago, four days prior to the press conference. I want to know whether or not Rear Admiral John Mauger of the U.S. Coast Guard was privy to this information, but just didn't disclose it yesterday. And then the question becomes, why was this information not disclosed to the public? At least by the bare minimum, Monday of this week. Why wasn't it disclosed until this Wall Street Journal article on Thursday evening yesterday? That's one question I have. Why not tell the public until Thursday. Why why do that? While the Navy couldn't definitively say, or this is the article again, while the Navy couldn't definitively say that the sound came from the Titan, the discovery played a role in narrowing the scope of the search for the vessel before its debris was discovered on Thursday, the official said. The U.S. Navy conducted an analysis of acoustic data and detected an anomaly consistent with an implosion or explosion in the general vicinity of where the Titan submersible was operating when communications were lost. A senior U.S. Navy official told the Wall Street Journal in a statement, quote, while not definitive, this information was immediately shared with the incident commander to assist with the ongoing search and rescue mission. 
Dear listener, I'm I'm confused about something. I'm really confused about something. Maybe I can get your assistance. And I mean that sincerely and not in any kind of condescending manner. There was a New York Times article. At this point, I want to pause. New York Times, an article that came out 12 hours before the one I just read from, from the Wall Street Journal, 12 hours before. Same day, but 12 hours before the one in the Wall Street Journal came out. Headline, New York Times, written by William J. Broad, June 22nd, 2023. Here's the headline. Titanic director James Cameron, and you know who he is and you know who that and what that movie is about, even if you've never seen it, points to flaws in Titan Sub's design. The Titanic director and diving expert said he'd had concerns from the start about the vehicle's hull composition and claims about its network of hull Senses. In an interview, I'm reading from a portion of the article, not the whole thing. Mr. Cameron called the presumed loss of five lives aboard the Titan submersible from the company Ocean Gate like nothing anyone involved in private ocean exploration had ever seen. Quote, there's never been fatalities at this kind of depth and certainly no implosions. An implosion in the deep sea happens when the crushing pressures of the abyss cause a hollow object to collapse violently inward. If the object is big enough to hold five people, Mr. Cameron said in an interview, quote, it's going to be an extremely violent event, like 10 cases of dynamite going off. I stop there for you, dear listener, because James Cameron has done this dive many times, many times, the same exact one, in a vehicle that he built. The article quotes him as saying, uh, quotes and says he has dived dozens of times to the ship's deteriorating hulk and once plunged in a tiny craft of his own design to the bottom of the planet's deepest recess. This is a film director. And the Times calls him an expert in submersibles. I want you to stick a pen in that information. Because I then want to go back to the Wall Street Journal article. I want to reread something from that article, dear listener. The U.S. Navy, quote, conducted an analysis of acoustic data 
and detected an anomaly consistent with an implosion or explosion in the general vicinity of where the Titan submersible was operating when communications were lost. While not definitive, this information was immediately shared with the incident commander to assist with the ongoing search and rescue mission. Officials, quote, decided to continue our mission as a search and rescue and make every effort to save the lives on board, the U.S. Navy statement said. Now, how on earth, given what I just told you, that James Cameron, who has been hailed as an expert, uh, the film director, made the film Titanic, the film Titanic has been in a deep sea vehicle like this of his own making dozens of times and uh, one, has at least been down to the surface a billion times, basically. And he said, again, that if an object like this is big enough to hold five people, it's going to be an extremely violent event, like 10 cases of dynamite going off. The bottom line is, is that those people were dead on Sunday. And what the U.S. Navy is saying makes no freaking sense. And it only makes sense, if at all, if the U.S. Navy knew that there was no rescue. And surely someone in the U.S. Navy knew that once that implosion was heard, there was no way there was ever going to be a survivor found. And not only was there no way there was ever going to be a survivor found, there was no way that you would ever be able to recover any human body at all there are no bodies to recover i'd be horribly i'd be entirely shocked if they can find any piece of any human body down there plus it's been a week since since it happened you heard the former captain of the navy david marquet that was yesterday i played that audio and a bit more of it than that on yesterday's episode he is saying to you there that it would have been something he would have been hor- it would have been he would have been shocked if you could find any remains of a human body down there and it happened a week ago why were we led to believe that somehow they were still alive and they were fighting for their lives if the US Navy most likely concluded that these five people had been dead on Sunday within two hours of embarking on this descent to the ocean bed. To the ocean seabed. Why would the U.S. Navy be saying, well, we decided to continue our mission for search and rescue? That makes no sense to me. Why is that being told to us? 
You knew that these people were dead on Sunday. If you've got a filmmaker, James Cameron, telling you that there would have been an almighty explosion, an extremely violent one, and I don't have to get graphic here. I think I've already done that with the audio that you just heard. And your own imagination can put this together that can tell you that if you have an almighty implosion or an almighty explosion, that would include the contents of that submersible. Right? There were five human beings inside it. Use your imagination. I don't have to say anything more than that to you, dear listener. And so with that really graphic picture painted in your brain, why enough with the U.S. Navy? Quote, continue our mission as a search and rescue and make every effort to save the lives on board. End quote. Why would that be the case when you knew on Sunday, you had heard an implosion that day of what you suspected to be this Titan submersible. Makes no sense. None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. Quote, uh, this is not a quote, I'm reading further from the article, not the whole thing here, I'm just going to skip through. This is the Wall Street Journal article I'm reading from now. The Navy said it shared its findings Sunday with the Coast Guard. <laughs> Sorry, I have to raise my voice because, yeah, I am pissed. Oh, but this is just where the start of the piss begins. And not that kind of piss, because, no, I am really ticked off. And there's lots of things to be ticked off about. And a lot more things than this to be ticked off at. This is just a small piece of the menu. Again, the Navy said it found, it shared its findings with the Coast Guard on Sunday. On Sunday, five days ago, dear listener. Why did we just learn about this yesterday? The Coast Guard led the search, U.S. defense officials said. This is the article. The U.S. held off making public what noises it has detected. It had detected because it wanted to ensure search and rescue mission operations continued and couldn't say for sure it was an implosion. I've got to tell you, this is weird. Super damn weird. It's weird, okay? That's all I'm saying. It's weird. It's weird. <sighs> Quote, it looks like the Titan imploded on Sunday on its way down to the Titanic shortly after contact was lost at a depth of around 9,000 feet. So what you're telling me, Wall Street Journal, and what Wall, the Wall Street Journal is telling you, dear listener, is that 
the implosion happened some 9,000 feet into the mission on Sunday. That's 1.7 miles deep. 1.7 miles. Now, the Titanic wreckage, to give you an idea on the seabed, right? Where that is, because I just think it's something that you should uh, keep your visuals on. Because I, I, I am just absolutely blown away here. The ship's wreckage is 3.8 miles below the surface. About three miles. It's just, it's about three miles. Maybe 3.8 is a bit, a bit, a bit deep. But it's roughly three miles. They didn't get but barely halfway down. This thing did not get but barely halfway down. And by the way, it's more than two miles below the surface. They didn't get barely over halfway down, maybe halfway down. So maybe they did get within, I don't know. It was, they didn't get anywhere near this wreckage. They didn't get anywhere near it. It exploded 1,600 feet away. The debris, rather, was found 1,600 feet away. They didn't get to the wreckage. They died before they got there. The article, I want to thank the journalists who wrote this. Ben Kessling, Nancy Youssef, Gordon Lubold, and Costas Paris. All four of them. Thank you for writing that article in the Wall Street Journal. Thank you for doing your journalistic duty. You did an excellent job with this. Your journalistic duties, well done. Congratulate. And I mean that sincerely. They did a very good job reporting. I only read parts of the article. Again, the title is, U.S. Navy heard what it believed was Titan implosion days ago. And I am telling you, dear listener, that that is good journalism, what they did there. Good journalism. That is an exclusive from the Wall Street Journal, by the way. 
And I'm telling you right now, right now, that this is something that stinks. The U.S. Navy is keeping this hush-hush. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Can anyone explain? I I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I could not tell you, dear listener. So there's that. There is that. Here, after the break, is something else that I need to express. Put it that way. Because this gets, I think, to the heart of why I do not care for the corporate news media. Dear listener, welcome back. I have to play this for you. Because I sit here now and I think I've made it clear. Why is it that the United States Navy did not disclose that there was an implosion on Sunday that they had heard that gave them reason to believe it may have been the Titan? Why didn't we hear about this? And why was it not disclosed until yesterday in a Wall Street Journal article. Sunday, they heard this implosion. Why is it that we're only finding out about it the last 24 hours or so? I I mean, that's the one thing. Number two, the corporate news media for the last four or five days had led us to believe that there was some possibility that these individuals may still have been alive. That there was a chance on Tuesday we were being told that there would be roughly 96 hours of oxygen and that possibly if they managed to be rescued before 96 hours, they know they might be able to, to make it through. So what many of us, dear listener, were probably thinking was that they may have been alive. We hadn't known that there was an implosion of that submersible. We hadn't known that roughly an hour and a half into their voyage to well, 20,000 leagues under the sea that uh, they had already been killed. They had already died. But the U.S. Navy certainly knew that, or certainly had reason to know, that they were not alive anymore. Now, the U.S. Navy are not a bunch of amateurs. These are people with experience in seaworthiness, experience in navigating the waters, Navy, as in naval navigation, they would have some knowledge of these things. They have been in submarines. They have had the ability and the expertise to have plumbed the depths 
And yet, somehow, the public face is that they were continuing a search and rescue mission on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. And on Thursday, well, really Wednesday, we were being told, maybe Wednesday or Tuesday, might have been Wednesday, that there was a sound that had been heard. But we hadn't been told that the U.S. Navy had reported the implosion that it had heard. We hadn't been told that the Coast Guard had received the report of that implosion on Sunday. And we hadn't known that, you and I, in the general public. We hadn't known that until Thursday, yesterday. So... Why did the corporate news media keep playing this? Is it the media didn't know? Or are they playing along as well? And that gets me to something else. These weren't just five everyday people. And I mean, there were everyday people. Some of them were. These are people who had lots of money. Oh, that word money. Hmm, I wonder what that plays into here. Oh, and oh, they were all white except for two of them from Pakistan by way of the United Kingdom. Ah, I need to play this audio because I hadn't known that this had happened at all because for the last five days you and I and us, dear listener, had been bombarded with the search for five people who, by the way, had already been dead for four days. Part of my bluntness here and my crudeness. But what you probably were less aware of was this report. These reports from CNN International. I want you to listen to this. Very carefully. Now to Pakistan, uh, where the government there says more than 300 of its citizens are among the dead after a ship carrying migrants sank off the coast of Greece last week. The country has now declared a national day of mourning. Joining me now is CNN's Sophia Seyfi in Karachi. Um, Sophia, so much anguish and heartbreak. What more can you tell us about how the country is reacting to this very tragic loss of life? Lala, I mean, this is information that's coming in very slowly uh, into Pakistan. I mean, but when the weekend started, what we had uh, from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs was that there was no mention of any death toll. They just said that 12 people have survived. Over the weekend, we've gotten more information that there was a rather large death toll. Uh, we have also found out uh, that there is an investigation that is underway that has been directed by the Prime Minister. Uh, there is a day of mourning, flags are at half-mast, but there is a lot of confusion. A lot of these people, uh, the number that we've received uh, from the government is 
a little over 300. They ha- that's exactly what they said. They haven't given a specific number. Uh, there is a wait to hear from the authorities in Greece. We're now finally hearing testimonials from the families of the victims. These are mostly in the north uh, of Pakistan and Pakistan-administered Kashmir, but also from the province of Punjab. And what we have to realize is that there is a very terrible economic crisis that has a complete grip uh, on Pakistan over the past couple of months, over the past year. Um, we Pakistan has an IMF loan program that has not come in, that has been stalled since last year. That's due to expire on the 30th, 30th of this month, just with people who are actually going in on an authorized immigration path. We've seen record numbers of people leaving Pakistan uh, through the proper official channels. And this is the case of immense human trafficking that is taking advantage of the very dire economic crisis. There's a food shortage in Pakistan. People have been queuing up for flour. Uh, there is record inflation. There are people who are, who are educated, who have qualifications, who are not being able to find any sort of jobs uh, in this country. We're still waiting to speak to the many families that have been affected by this tragedy. And we are going to hear a lot more as the hours unfold. And as people, a lot of people don't even know what's happened. A lot of people are not aware in the far-flung corners of Pakistan about what's happened to their families. And as this happens, we're going to understand the full scale of this tragedy's impact on Pakistan. Lela? Sina and Sophia Saifi in Karachi. Thank you so much. The desperate, exhausting wait for the promise of a new life in Europe. These Pakistanis crammed into a small room by smugglers in Libya. Some of them believed to be among the hundreds presumed dead. These last images before they embarked on their ill-fated journey. About 750 refugees and migrants were packed into this fishing vessel bound for Italy before it capsized off the coast of Greece. Only 104 survived and with them the harrowing accounts of what they'd been through. I can still hear the voice of a woman calling out for help. You would swim and move the floating bodies out of your way. The Syrian survivor spoke to us from Greece. He asked for his identity to be concealed for security reasons. His and other accounts obtained by CNN not only contradict the official Greek version of events, but point to fault on the part of the Greek Coast Guard. Greek authorities who watched and were in communication with the boat for an entire day insist that it was not in distress and refused assistance. Our investigation tells a very different story. Just before 1 p.m. on June 13th, the boat was first spotted by the EU's border patrol agency Frontex, which says it notified Greek authorities of a, quote, heavily overcrowded fishing vessel. Those on board were in distress, lost at sea with no food or water for days, according to survivors and activists in touch with the boat throughout the day. At about 7 p.m., an activist in Italy recorded one of the calls capturing the horror on board. As activists repeatedly relayed calls for a rescue to authorities, Two merchant vessels approached the boat, instructed by the Greek Coast Guard to provide the boat with food and water. But as darkness fell, at 10.40 p.m., a Greek Coast Guard vessel moves in, now the only ship on the scene. Three hours later, the haunting last words from the boat to the activist group alarm phone. Hello, my friend. 
the ship you send is, and the line cuts out. What happened next is likely to raise more questions as the investigations continue. Survivors tell us it was a botched attempt by the Greek Coast Guard to tow their boat that caused it to capsize. They decided to throw us a rope, so the guys at the front tied it. They towed us. The boat tilted to the right and everyone was screaming. People began falling into the sea and the boat capsized. People couldn't get out from under the boat. The Greek Coast Guard have declined our request for an interview, but in previous comments, they've denied towing the trawler, saying, when the boat capsized, we were not even next to it. How could we be towing it? Instead, they blamed a, quote, shift in weight, probably caused by panic. For years, Greek authorities have been accused of systematically and violently pushing back migrants and refugees. Video like this one released by the Turkish government captured the now well-documented practice, Greece denies. This deadly incident is not just about what they may have done, it's also about what they didn't do. It was clear it was unseaworthy. It was clear that it is part of a, of a trafficking movement uh, from Libya to Europe. So the authorities had the responsibility to intervene to save life. As Fortress Europe hardens its immigration policies to deter some of the world's most vulnerable, this disaster will almost certainly not be the last. Jemana Karache, CNN, London. 300 plus people died after a boat sank in the Mediterranean. 300 people, Pakistanis, died. And there were other people who also perished. And did you hear anything about this in your corporate news media? Did you hear about it in the United States? You might have heard about it in other countries, but you didn't really hear about it here in the United States unless you were watching something called CNN International. Now there, you would have found that particular story. If you happen to scour CNN's website. And again, I'm not a fan of CNN. I don't watch CNN. But I did come across their website called CNN.com. And on that website, dear list, they had this particular story. Grief shrouds remote Pakistan mountain village after Greece migrant boat tragedy. June the 22nd, 2023. An air of melancholy. This is Sophia Saifi, Imad Udin, and Ria Mogul. An air of melancholy engulfs the small village of Bandali in Pakistan, administered Kashmir, where hopes are fading fast for nearly two dozen residents who went abroad in search of a better life and have since disappeared. Families fight back tears as they yearn to hear what may have happened to their loved ones. All migrants aboard a boat reportedly known as the Adriana, an overcrowded fishing trawler that capsized off the coast of Greece last week, last week, killing at least 81, 81 people and leaving hundreds more missing. In Pakistan, authorities said more than 300 of its nationals died in the tragedy, but did not specify how they received that information. 
On Thursday, the Federal Investigation Agency of Pakistan said it had confirmed 92 deaths in the incident by collecting DNA samples of family members who reported their loved ones as missing to assist with the identification of victims. Pakistan, a nation of about 220 million people, is in the throes of its worst economic crisis in decades. Work is scarce, inflation is soaring, and essentials including food and fuel are increasingly costly. The precise route Jabbar and his three family members took is unclear. But they arrived in Libya days before boarding the ill-fated boat there, aiming for their final destination, Italy. In a video sent to Anwar by his brother from Libya, and uh, this would be Saeed Anwar. In a video sent to him by his brother from Libya, about 100 men could be seen sleeping in a small room, their bodies packedly tight, packed tightly together, head to toe on the floor. Now, what image does that evoke for you, dear listener? Quote, the human traffickers were keeping the refugees hungry for 72 hours, or sometimes they gave them only bread after 24 hours, end quote, Anwar said, adding they were kept in, quote, crowded conditions. Quote. Again, I ask, dear listener, what image does that evoke for you? About 750 men, women and children were on the boat when it capsized last week, the United Nations Migration Agency, IOM, said. CNN spoke to survivors in Greece who said it was crammed with people spread over three decks. The worst was the lowest deck, where it was nearly impossible for travelers to roam or move to higher ground. Many Pakistanis were on the bottom deck, survivors said. Dear listener, I know that it was CNN International that provided the story. And that's what you heard there in those two clips, two different news reports from CNN International. But the regular CNN didn't really carry this, did they? I didn't see it on their website except for this report from the World News on CNN.com. Hundreds of people dead. And I never heard about the story until yesterday. Yesterday, after I had done the episode that presumably you've heard by now. And yet we had five days of wall-to-wall coverage, radio, television, internet, social media, on this freaking titanic submissible, submersible, because it was a submission, They were done. This was 
dangerous. It was a suicide mission. And we were told about this from morning till noon till night, over and over and over. And these people had been dead an hour and a half into their voyage on Sunday. And yet, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we were inundated with the ups, downs, hopes, fears around five people, at least two of whom were billionaires. At least two. All the while, hundreds of people had been dead in the Mediterranean, drowned, capsized boat, which from that report, one of those two reports that you heard, may well have been caused by the Greek Coast Guard. Yeah, Coast Guard, where have you heard that word before in this episode? The U.S. Coast Guard, I believe, had to have known that those five people were dead on Sunday. And yet they presented as if it was a revelation to the world, at least a revelation to the Coast Guard, on Thursday, just yesterday. And the same corporate news media that bombarded us with the travails of five people who'd been dead for four days already, virtually ignored the story that I've just been reading to you. No coverage of it. I had not heard about this locally or anywhere else. You would think that 300, 400, 700 people dying from drowning would have made the news anywhere. I mean, we do hear about this in other countries, don't we? Surely the corporate news media would tell us about what's going on beyond that piece of indicted garbage. Surely we'd know more. But, you know, there's some corporate news media cable news TV networks that insist on telling us about one piece of garbage over and over and over again. We get to hear about him every day. If you watch that network, MSNBC, all they talk about is that piece of garbage. They do his bidding. There is no such thing as bad publicity, P.T. Barnum once said. Just so long as you spell my name right. And they are spelling his name over and over and over again. Meanwhile, there are hundreds of people dead in the Mediterranean and it doesn't get a sniff. Oh, they're brown people and black people who died. Oh, they're quote-unquote migrants. Oh, they're poor. They are not billionaires. So we don't have to care. That's what the culture tells you. And I am so tempted to play this audio, but I really shouldn't. I'm so tempted to. You have people on television yesterday 
telling you that these people, these five people, that the explorers amongst them were brilliant people and... <sighs> oh, God damn it. I'll play the damn audio then. And somehow it's fitting that P.H. Narjolet, who's been known as Mr. Titanic, his resting place forever will be within the embrace of RMS Titanic. And, and I think that he would have liked that. And, you know, I grieve for him. But again, at the same time, there is some slight solace in the fact that he did not suffer. And so uh, whether it's climbing Everest, whether it's base jumping, whether it's going down to Titanic, if something holds great personal meaning for you, I think you should be celebrated for doing it. And as someone who uh, has gone down to wrecks in submersibles, Look, it takes a lot of courage, a lot of determination and, and bravery uh, to do something like that aboard any submersible. So I think the people aboard Titan should certainly uh, be given a lot of admiration uh, for their courage. No, you should not be celebrated for doing it. And that's the problem. Oh, there's comfort in knowing that he didn't suffer and he died doing what he wanted to do. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Come on. There were so many people that told you that this was an absolute fail mission. James Cameron had been telling you. And I keep saying, I've said it before, dear listener. People will rationalize anything that a white person does. And particularly a rich white person, particularly a rich white man. They will rationalize anything just as long as someone white is doing it. Oh, he was an expert. He was an explorer. He died doing what he... If a black person had been stupid enough Without the safety checks, because apparently there was no real safety check done with this vehicle, with this submersible. If a black person had done that, black person would never do that, by the way. But if a black person had done that, you would have heard ridicule upon ridicule upon ridicule from these very same people. But because it's someone white who perished, all of a sudden it's, well, they shouldn't be ridiculed. They should be celebrated for what they're doing. Well, you know what? I do not celebrate stupidity. Because why would you go in a vehicle that was not checked by government, approved by the U.S. Navy, or anything else? Why would you do that? And you're the so-called expert. Why would you? Why would you be spending money? Money that you could put to good use doing something else with. Hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on this mission. A suicide mission. You paid for the end of your life. I do not understand why that should be celebrated. It's a culture, dear listener, that says, you know what? I'm rich. I can do what I want. And because I'm rich, I should be celebrated for being such. And that's what the culture in this country, the U.S. of A., among others, does. Celebrates rich, white 
men. Not because they're smart, because the vast majority of them are not, in my estimation. Not because they're brilliant, because the vast majority of them are not, in my estimation. Not because they are decent people, because, in my estimation, the majority of them are not good people or decent people. They are celebrated essentially for three reasons. One, they're white. Two, they're rich. Three, they are male. That's why they are celebrated in this culture that is an anti-black person culture. And a pro-rich white man culture. That's why they're celebrated, dear listener. It's not because they're these innovative people. Oh, they're... Some of these people are downright disgusting. Michael Bloomberg, who has, look, put in some very good causes like every town for gun safety. I I think that's a tremendous organization. But he is also a sexual harasser. Go listen to all of the women who have uh, lodged allegations against him. They all came out during his 2020 presidential run. And he's also racist. Just remember, go back to New York City, stop and frisk. And the NYPD and the mayor, at the time, Michael Bloomberg. This is what happens when you have a culture, dear listener, that is all about Being carefree and irresponsible. Didn't even really do the safety checks. James Cameron, I I quoted from that article in the New York Times. No real safety checks done. Nothing. And this is what happens when you have irresponsible, carefree people, billionaires with lots of money, but not a lot of sense. Who in their right mind is going to go in a submersible that has had safety questions, safety questions and issues? That is arrogance. That is not sense. It's not sensible. And no, we should not be celebrating arrogance. Because that's what this culture does all too often is celebrate arrogance and celebrate false bravado from men, toxic men, typically white men. That's what gets celebrated. There's nothing courageous about doing something like this. There's nothing courageous about spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to the bottom of the sea to look at wreckage that has been there for over a hundred freaking years. Wreckage that you can see through all kinds of technology that you could have paid for for perhaps half the price or even for free. You can see it on your television set. 
Why risk your life and pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to do so? Say why. Why would you be doing that? Here's the thing. I'm going to read this part again. This is from James Cameron. Quote, I would never design a vehicle to take passengers and not have it certified. That's what happened here. They didn't certify this damn thing. I'm not celebrating stupidity and recklessness and arrogance. I'm not doing that. I'm not celebrating that they have died either. I know people personally who have told me that they are not shedding a tear for these people. I'm not shedding a tear for them either. But I do send my condolences once again to the fa- to the families. Mr. Cameron strongly criticized Stockton Rush. Stockton Rush, by the way, dear listener, was one of the five people who died. And he, James Cameron, strongly, according to the New York Times, criticized Stockton Rush. And Stockton Rush, by the way, is the billionaire, the Ocean Gate's chief executive, who piloted the submersible when it disappeared on Sunday. He criticized him, here the article says, for never getting his tourist submersible certified as safe. He noted, did Mr. Cameron, that Mr. Rush, again, he died, called certification an impediment to innovation. I'm not celebrating arrogance, recklessness, and greed. I am not celebrating that. Quote, I agree in principle, Mr. Cameron said, with the certification being an impediment to innovation. Quote, but you can't take that stance when you're putting paying customers into your submersible, when you have innocent guests who trust you and your statements, end quote, about vehicle safety. Dear listener, once again, like a broken record, I am not celebrating stupidity, arrogance, and greed. That part in that statement I just read out from James Cameron about innocent guests, that's next up here on the Politocrat Daily Podcast. It doesn't happen like we think it does. No one rolls the tanks. No armies meet in pitched battle. It happens quietly, little by little. And because so many think it can't happen, it does happen. Little by little, the rules change. It doesn't seem shocking or sudden. And that's the point. Fewer places to vote, longer lines. Don't worry, they say. We're just improving the system. 
They hope we won't notice the rules are changing because they lost the last election. They hope we just won't care enough to stop them. They believe they can take America away from us and we won't even notice. We know who they are. We know what they want. The question is, who are we? Do we let them get away with it or do we fight? Democracy is on the ballot. Vote while your vote still counts. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. He had a sense that this was not, this was not okay. And he just, he was not very comfortable about doing it. That was the aunt of Suleiman Dawood. He was the 19-year-old boy who, well, young man, who perished on that Titan submersible with his father, Shazada Daywood. Now, I, I sit here and I refer back to what James Cameron said about innocent passengers. And if ever there was an innocent passenger, it would have been 19-year-old Suleiman Dawood who, as you heard from his aunt, had a very horrible feeling about all of this and did not want to go. NBCnews.com, article from June the 22nd, 2023, by Daniel Arkin. Headline, 19-year-old Titan passenger was, quote, terrified, end quote, before trip, his aunt says. In the days before the Titan vessel went into the ocean off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada, the 19-year-old university student accompanying his father on the expedition expressed hesitation about going, his aunt said in an interview Thursday. Azme Dawood, the older sister of Pakistani businessman Shahzada Dawood, told NBC News that her nephew, Suleiman, informed a relative that he, quote, wasn't very up for it, end quote, and felt, quote, terrified, end quote, about the trip to explore the wreckage of the Titanic. But the 19-year-old ended up going aboard Ocean Gate's 22-foot submersible because the trip fell over Father's Day weekend and he was eager to please his dad, who was passionate about the lore of the Titanic, according to Usme. I am thinking, this is a quote from Asme, the aunt of Suleiman. I am thinking of Suleiman, who is 19 in there, just perhaps gasping for breath. It's been crippling, to be honest, in quote. Asme said in a phone interview from the home in Amsterdam she shares with her husband, Jonathan. She was devastated on Thursday when Ocean Gate the company behind the Titan expedition confirmed that all five passengers aboard were presumed dead. The U.S. Coast Guard said that debris in the search area was consistent with a, quote, catastrophic, catastrophic implosion, end quote. Quote, I feel disbelief, Asme said, speaking through sobs. It's an unreal situation. The last four days were agonizing for Asme. She was glued to television news coverage on the hunt for the Titan, desperate for in updates, rather, about her brother and nephew and fearing the worst. Here's the thing, dear listener. 
the U.S. Navy knew on Sunday that it was very likely that these people were dead. And to have families going through all that agony and pain for four more days after Sunday, when you as a United States Navy knew and you heard the implosion on Sunday, did you tell these families? Obviously not. You must have known. You must have known. And no, you don't tell the families and you put them through the ringer for four days. Get their hopes up. The media cooperates with you. And lo and behold. Oh, dearie me. A 19-year-old. You know what? Here's the thing, dear listen. This is what has me shaking my head. It really does. Here's, listen to this. Listen to me now. Here's where I absolutely think that this, this is absolutely nuts. And I'll tell you why. You had a 48-year-old Shazada Dewood. You had a 58-year-old Hamish Harding. You had a 77-year-old Paul-Henri Nargelet. You had a 61-year-old Stockton Rush. And out of those four people, none of them thought that this was risky or terrifying. The only person of the five people who perished, who had a very bad feeling about it, or at least vocalized that publicly, was Suleiman Dewood, a 19-year-old. So the 19-year-old had more sense than the 61-year-old, the 77-year-old, the 48-year-old, his father, and the 58-year-old. That's what I take away from that. And now they're all gone. And this 19-year-old who had everything to live for is gone. You know, i got to tell you something. This was selfishness. And his father is callous. And I'm not talking about the kind of calluses you get on your hands. I'm talking about he is callous. He's no longer here. He took his son with him to die. That's how I see it. Yes, in hindsight, that's the way I look at it. Is it right? Is it fair? Life ain't fair. But what I see here, dear listener, is selfishness. Selfishness. Absolute selfishness. You didn't have it in your heart to say, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm going by myself with these other people. You stay behind. You've got everything to live for. You're 19. No, no, no. You you stay here. No. Peer pressure, right? Well, not even peer pressure. He felt like he had to because it was Father's Day weekend. And now 
Neither of them will ever have another Father's Day in their life. This 19-year-old will never be a parent. Never will be a father. 19 years old, you haven't begun to live yet. You haven't begun to live. At least his father had 48 years on him. He experienced, he experienced a semblance of life. And all the rest of them, 58 years old or over, they've lived life. 58's young. So is 61. And even 77. I don't think you really start to look at people being so-called old or older until they get into their 80s. That's the way I look at it. But each of those other people had at least lived more than twice as long as this 19-year-old had. And no one's talking about this parent being a delinquent parent. If that was someone black, forget it. Oh, what are you doing bringing your 19-year-old there? Let me tell you something. Because this is what was being said about Kobe Bryant. Oh, how could he bring his uh, 16-year-old daughter on a plane, on a helicopter, when it flew through fog, how could he bring her on there? What was he doing? How could those people bring their kids on there? How could Kobe Bryant do that to his daughter? I was hearing that kind of garbage. And wait, all of a sudden now, with this billionaire, oh, oh, no one's talking about this? No one thinks it's strange? The... You bring your 19-year-old son on board a submersible that was not properly certified. It was not certified at all. There's no issue with that. All we're going to keep hearing is, is that, oh, they were great explorers and we should celebrate them. That's the kind of garbage you're hearing. These are billionaires who are selfish. That's how I look at this. I'm not glad they're dead. All I'm saying is this. If you play with water, you might just get drowned. I just I just can't I just can't deal this. I'm done with it. I'm done with the story. Uh, I, I've talked about it a lot ad infinitum. You know, no one's going to blame the billionaires. It's part of this culture. This culture, dear listener, has blood on its hands. That's what it has. It's this carefree attitude that billionaires, mostly males, who walk around with all this money, send people up into space, send people to the bottom of the sea floor. I mean, the bottom of the ocean. I mean, this is what happens when you're bored and you've got more money than sense. It's just absolutely insane. And what you should be doing is spending your money in a life-affirming way. There is nothing life-affirming about going to outer space. There is nothing life-affirming in going to the bottom of the ocean. There's nothing life-affirming about that. It's quite the opposite. And it's really revealing to me that people would spend their money, who are billionaires, in ways that are end-of-the-world-ish. 
I'm going to spend my money to go to the very bottom of the ocean floor. You must be bored. You must really be bored. I'm not going to celebrate people who are selfish or arrogant or who are billionaires. Why am I going to celebrate them? Why don't we celebrate the poor people of this world who continue to fight amidst such impossible odds? Why don't we celebrate people who are unhoused, who manage to persevere despite their circumstances? Why don't we celebrate them? Huh? Say why. Why don't we celebrate people who are less fortunate, people who don't have money, people who are living from paper? Paycheck to paycheck. Why don't we celebrate them? Instead of people who've got more money than God. Why are we celebrating people having wealth upon wealth upon wealth? Why is that celebrated in this culture? Well, I mean, I have lots of answers to that question. And I would imagine you do as well, dear listener. And this is absolutely disgusting and nauseating. And it explains why. You were bombarded with this story, which was a story that had died literally on Sunday. And yet you were strung along by this corporate news media and the U.S. Navy, I might add. And the U.S. Coast Guard. For four more days. Well, these people had already perished. And you ignored at the same time. Two different stories of boats capsizing and dozens and dozens. And in one case, as I said, the main story I talked about, the Pakistani victims, hundreds of people dying. Hundreds. And barely a peep of it is mentioned. Barely a peep. Oh, they're poor. Oh. And why should that be the reason why they don't get covered? I get it. I'm not naive here. I'm just asking rhetorically. Why should that be a reason? That you don't cover hundreds of poor people escaping hardship. Why should that be the reason you're not covering it? Tells you about your value system. And this is all about values, dear listener. And a culture whose value system is all about You got money, you're a great human being. You don't have money, you're a failure. You suck. That's the way this juvenile culture looks at it all. I've had enough of this story and I really am done. I'll be right back. Dear listener, welcome back. And seven years ago today, well, actually, to be precise, when it comes to this particular piece of audio, seven years ago on June the 24th, the early morning hours of June the 24th, seven years ago, was this. people, a victory for decent people. 
fought against the multinationals, we fought against the big merchant banks, we fought against big politics, we fought against lies, corruption and deceit, and today, honesty, decency and belief in nation, I think now is going to win. Yeah, he declared June the 23rd our Independence Day. Well, boy, boy, what an idiot he is. And that was, of course, Nigel Farage, who has been a fraud forever. Um, This is the racist who, in 2016, had the infamous Breaking Point poster where he got an image from a people who were, uh, were in a refugee crisis. They were coming from fleeing political persecution from somewhere in the Middle East, I think, I forget where. And he incorporated that photograph into a massive billboard with the words breaking point on it, saying, we need to send these people back. The EU has been a failure. Look what they're allowing. They're allowing all these people to come across the border and into your country. We can't allow that. Vote to leave. That was what that breaking point poster billboard was about and you can just go type up my nigel n-i-g-e-l and then the word farage f-a-r-a-g-e and then the words breaking point and you will see the poster that i am referring to just go search that and it was an exploitation it was racist and of course white voters in the united kingdom many of them of course share the same racist tendencies that nigel farage does and so what they did is vote their racism when they saw that poster and they voted to leave. Now, they will tell you, people will tell you, oh, no, it was about other things. One of those things is certainly about race and black and brown people. and We don't want those people here. Now, I know they'll say, well, there are other people who are white that we didn't want here. We, you know, it's all these Polish people. And maybe that is part of what they we're also doing. But the fact of the matter is, is that you can't get away from the racism here. You just cannot. You cannot. And Nigel Farage is a piece of garbage. And he's a liar. And on June the 23rd, 2016, Brexit was something that 17 million 
people in the United Kingdom voted for. Oh boy, were they foolish. Some of them are only now, just exactly seven years later, coming to the realization that it was a massive mistake to do what they did. And yet, still, Brexit has not really been done. I mean, I guess if you're talking about the new, uh, the Northern Ireland Protocol, just earlier this year got done. But it's just been a shambles. It's been shambolic. The country is poor as a result. The economy in the country stinks in large measure. You have a cost of living crisis that goes on. And you have a country that severed its ties with 440 million people. How on earth would you vote to sever your economic ties with over 400 million people? I don't know, but only my fellow compatriots in the United Kingdom do. At least the ones who voted for this. Exit, Brexit, oh jeez. 52% to 48%. 17.5 million people in the United Kingdom said, oh, we've got to leave, we've got to leave. We don't know what for, but we're going to leave anyway. And it was sold to you like a bill of goods. Boris Johnson, Nigel Farage, and a number of people, a cast of thousands, all seduced you with lies and fear-mongering and racism and all the rest of it and got you to vote against your own best interests. And now you are feeling the pain. Boris Johnson's not feeling any pain. Yeah, he quit as an MP voluntarily a few weeks days, weeks ago, but he'll have a job. He already does. He has a job as a daily fail columnist. He had a job as a daily telegraph columnist. He had a job as a Times writer. I mean, this guy is fired from pretty much every job he's ever done. He's fired from his newspaper jobs. He's fired for lying. He's been fired for lying in all his jobs. He was fired for lying, essentially, as prime minister. You know? Oh, I didn't really have any idea about... Uh, uh, Chris Pincher. Oh, Pincher by name and by nature. Uh, uh, I didn't say that. I didn't say bodies piled high either. I, um, not the kind of thing I'd say. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. I, uh, I think it's very unfortunate, actually, that um, uh, we... We uh, we didn't party during Partygate, and um, we 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 told you to follow the rules, and the rules are are important. They are, the rules are very important, and you must follow the guidance. You must follow the guidance of the um, the, the well, um, um, the the blustery guidance of the rules must be followed, except by me. And that is Boris Johnson in a nutshell. Do as I say, not as I do. And that pig, that cretin, that piece of garbage is now out of a job as a member of parliament because he's a coward and a liar and he cannot face the music. And he conned you seven years ago today. June the 23rd, 2016 was a day of hell for the United Kingdom. And by the way, just a few days before that, Maybe a week or so before that, Joe Cox was murdered by a right winger. I mean, that should have told you right there that this was never going to be a good idea. Someone being murdered, that should tell you a lot. A lot. 
And it's gone even worse now. It's just a nightmare, this Brexit. And this country now is in a world of trouble. I, I, just, I just shake my head at how people could be so stupid and ignorant. And I get it, people make mistakes and people were conned, there's no question. But my God, man, my God, how do you just go vote for something without even thinking about it? It's easy when you're scared and you are a racist, right? Because you just vote on impulse. Oh, they're black. Oh, I don't want, uh, uh. Never mind it might hurt the country. Oh, they're black. Uh, they're brown. Uh. And you vote against yourself. It's just sick. Uh, there's really not much else to say about it, dear listener. There really isn't. Except to say that million, a small few people got rich off of this. One of them was Nigel Farage. One of them was Crispin O'Day, a hedge fund manager. He absolutely shorted stock and made a gazillion off of Brexit. And the markets tanked in Asia the morning of the 24th of June of that year, 2016. And yes, saw Nigel Farage pointing wildly at a graph, a chart of the markets tanking in Asia. Big grin on his face, really horrible laugh. And a look on his face, just a horrible look. He is a really dirty human being and a scumbag and a racist. And there you go. He even admitted that Brexit was a failure. I mean, he, he's even said that Brexit was never going to solve all our problems. He said that as well. And here's the part where he admits. In fact, you're going to hear Susanna Reid of Good Morning Britain from just a few days ago, earlier this week, talking to Nigel Farage. And Farage reiterates where he failed and admits that Brexit was screwed and it was a failure. Uh, can I, sorry, can I just go back to my first question? Yeah. You are literally on the record as saying yeah. Brexit has failed. And also, hang I just want to say... Hang on, hang yeah. on finish the sentence. Yeah. Brexit has failed Brexit in, in has the failed. eyes of many of its voters yes. because of the government. Yeah, okay. Because and, they and failed yet, to deliver. And yet, to deliver you want to join up with the Prime Minister who is in charge of that failure. I will repeat the point. Yeah. I disagree totally with him on immigration. They should have delivered what people voted for. He didn't do it, all right? I disagree with him on net zero, making the poor poorer. Yeah. But... What do you agree the, with him Us being an independent country and not being part of a political union Sorry, in who, Europe. Who's, who screwed up Brexit? Boris Johnson has messed up the implementation of it, yes. Right. But... Why would you want to go into partnership with him? Because I think two or three years down the line, we may have to refight this battle. <laughs> 